Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Art. I'm Diana Warbicki, the global head of the Withers Art Law Group, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I have the pleasure of asking art-related questions to my Withers colleagues from around the globe. With me today is Sharon Sir and Jocelyn Cho from our Hong Kong office. They are both in our family law group. We're recording this podcast from three different locations, so we apologize in advance if there are any technical difficulties. Today, we'll be discussing art during the divorce settlement process. Before we begin our conversation, I'd like to remind you that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal advice. Jocelyn, Sharon, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure. Thank you, Diana. In the art world, commonly we talk about the selling of art during three occasions. We call them the three Ds, debt, divorce, and death. A conversation with the two of you from a family law practice about what happens during the divorce process is very much at the center of our art practice here at Withers. Jocelyn, let's start with you and talk about the very beginning of the process. When a couple decides that they're going to be making this difficult decision and start discussing with attorneys how to go through the divorce process, I always think of art as being somewhat of a vulnerable asset because it's in the couple's homes, it's an asset that's movable. What are the types of things that you advise to clients at the start of the process with regard to the art? Right from the outset, I would advise clients to go home, look at what's there, what valuable items are there, probably take a picture would be a good idea, and compile a list of what artwork or antiques or valuable items are involved in the matrimony assets. And for people who are listening to this who may or may not be thinking of getting divorced, it would be a good idea even if you start making an archive of the artwork that you have, document information about the art pieces, safe keep records like invoices of when you purchased it, and do an, a catalogue so you can easily access it when it comes to, unfortunately, if it does come to divorce. Once art is cataloged and we know what it is that the couple has, Sharon, how do we handle valuation issues? Because art is such a unique asset that it's not like we can look at how the stock market is doing that day and assess the current minute-to-minute value of the asset. How do you handle valuation issues for the art? First thing we have to decide is whether or not artwork is going to comprise of the assets that are going to be distributed on divorce. In divorce proceedings, absolutely everything is taken into account, whether it was acquired pre-marriage or during the marriage, whether it was inherited, and it's then a case of deciding whether or not it's up for distribution. Now, some people have very valuable collections, and particularly historically uh, Chinese collections, and they have to decide whether or not they want to have them valued to be available for distribution intact and to go to one of the parties. Often, you have to get them formally valued in order to see the value of the assets to see where they should be distributed. And in those circumstances, we will be contacting our specialists in the particular field of the artwork concern, whether it's Chinese furniture, 
or pictures or calligraphy in order to obtain as accurate evaluation as is possible in order to see whether or not it can easily be distributed between the couple. Once we go through this process and get valuation of the art assets, Jocelyn, what happens next? Once you get the valuation, then the question would be, is there a particular piece of item which one party may want to keep, whether it's for sentimental value or perhaps because he or she is more of a passionate art collector than the other? Usually couples would take turns in selecting the pieces that are more dear to them and then leaving the rest to just split 50-50 in terms of the value if the rest of the items don't really mean too much to them and they're just looking at it as an asset of value rather than an asset of particular sentimental value. When we look at it of assets of value, very often we have seen that a divorced couple will decide that they're not going to keep the art. Instead, they're going to sell the art and then split the proceeds. That process, I have found in particular, is very challenging because you have already contracts that you're doing with auction houses and you're going to sell and you're negotiating those and just having two parties involved makes for meaningful negotiations. But once you have then three people who are essentially involved in that discussions and negotiations, it does become a bit challenging. Sharon, what has your experience been about the best way to advise clients going into the process of selling art during the divorce settlement? First of all, it's essential that everything is kept as quiet as possible so that artwork isn't being sold at the cheapest possible price. Everybody's trying to get the very best possible price. So we're advising on confidentiality particularly. And uh, what we also find is absolutely essential is to try and involve a third-party nominee who can engineer uh, matters concerning the availability of the artwork for viewing, uh, drawing up the contracts, finding the appropriate person in the appropriate country who is willing to purchase the work of art, because the husband and wife in that situation are generally more likely to have faith and trust in that single nominee who's representing both of their interests than either of the lawyers involved in the case, not only because the lawyers, particularly us, unlike uh, you in the art department, we wouldn't have the expert knowledge, but also we would be regarded as particularly partisan on behalf of our clients. In order to diffuse the situation and, and try and keep as much heat out of the situation as possible, we would try and rely on the appointment of an independent third-party nominee. I have found that having a third-party nominee has been extremely helpful. I think having the couple first have discussions about what they're comfortable with and then have that nominee then have the authority to control the process of the contract negotiations with the auction houses if that's the way that they're choosing to sell makes things much easier. It's a much smoother process to get to the finish line. It's very similar with the states. If we have an instance where there are a number of beneficiaries, the children of the person who passed away, that own art jointly, it's the same type of situation. It's always easier for the parties involved that are the owners to have a discussion, come to an understanding, and have one person that's 
advocating for them and being their voice in the process with the auction house or other party that's going to be selling the work. Sharon, you mentioned the importance of being discreet in this process. We've recently had quite a lot of press here in New York about the Harry and Linda Macklow divorce. It's been all over the press, and they are a couple that it's been said that own over 150 pieces, over a billion dollars worth of artwork, and there's a lot of speculation about what happens next in that divorce process. Jacqueline, do you find that for cases that you've worked on in Hong Kong and just generally about the divorce process, are people more discreet? And is there anything that you can do during this process to ensure that it is a more discreet process? Most wealthy families in Hong Kong prefer to be discreet. They would try their best to settle instead of going all the way to the high court and hence having the case fall under the public eye. And in the process of settlement, we would usually advise clients to put in confidentiality clauses so that they both agree that they will not disclose the terms of the settlement, including the sale of those valuable pieces of artwork, to public or to third parties. Therefore, it avoids people taking advantage of the fact that they need to sell that particular piece at five sale basis. It'd be very helpful to have confidentiality provisions involved in that. And hopefully there are confidentiality provisions that both parties consent to and abide by. But even the best laid plans, things can leak into the press. Are there any notable instances of that that you have seen, Sharon, in Asia? One of the biggest cases involving absolutely gorgeous art and antiques collection was the case of Mimi Hong, which in the end went all the way to the Court of Final Appeal. And as Jocelyn has just indicated, once you're fighting through the courts at that high level, it's absolutely impossible to maintain any confidentiality. And Mimi Hong had the most amazing collection that had been built up through generations of her family beautiful wood, Huali wood, as well as artwork and calligraphy. The issue there was whether or not the collection should be kept as it was or placed in a museum rather than to be valued and distributed between the couple. Their artwork had been uh, the subject of books and catalogues here in Hong Kong. As it happens, it was valued and it was distributed between the two of them. But certainly, once it is open to the public, there's very little you can hide in terms of what it is you have and how it's been acquired and how much you paid for it, with all the potential consequences that that might have once that information is out of the open. We'll continue tracking both the cases that we are seeing in New York and what pops into the press in Asia. As I said at the start, the 3Ds in the art world are not new, and divorce will unfortunately be something that we continue to talk about when it comes to art assets, which leaves us quite a lot to talk about. We'll stop the conversation for today here. I look forward to continuing talking to both of you about this topic in the future. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. It's been a pleasure discussing this art law topic with you. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for listening. And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out.